Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast. Brought to you by Telefunken Electroacoustic. Telefunken Electroacoustic has been following the tradition of excellence and innovation set forth by the original Telefunken GmbH of Germany that began over 100 years ago with one foot rooted in the rich history of the brand and the other in new microphone innovations for both stage and studio applications. Telefunken Electroacoustic is recognized as one of the industry leaders in top quality microphones. For more info, go to t-funk.com. And now your host, Eyal Levy. Hello, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Ultimate Guitar Production, the most detailed, in-depth course ever created about guitars. The course is taught by Andrew Wade, who you may know from one of his three appearances on Nail the Mix, or work with bands like A Day to Remember, The Ghost Inside, Wage War, or Neck Deep, and it covers everything, and I mean everything. It's over 100 videos that cover every single step of the guitar production process, setting up the guitar, choosing the right amp, cabs, mics, the right way to track guitars, editing, reamping, mixing, and more. He puts it all together by dialing tones for indie pop, rock pop, punk, and metal, and there's actually way, way, way more than what I just told you, but I'm out of time. If you want to see all of it and get a sneak preview of the content, go to ultimateguitarproduction.com and prepare to have your mind blown. Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast. This is the upteenth or 20th somethingth or 30th somethingth Mix Grit Monday. I really honestly don't know how many we've done, but it's a lot at this point. Four. You've done four. Four. Yes. Okay. Four. <laughs> T or something. Welcome back to co-host John Maciel. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, man. It's a nice, beautiful Saturday here in California, so I'm having a great day. It sure is. And what's awesome about this is that you're back. And what that means is that everybody enjoyed having you as a co-host, which I figured they would. But I'm very, very stoked. And so, yeah, you know, it's kind of weird to be like, well, congrats for not failing, but congrats for not failing. You know, I just realized, like, I didn't even like, it's good to be back. I'm just like, no one's, because I, I saw the comments. I was like, no one seems to be hating this. So I think AL is going to have me come back. And then I'm here and I'm like, totally like, just it, it like totally went past me. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, AL could have easily been like, hmm. And the community could have been like, no, didn't really feel this, but it's really fun to have the opportunity to do this because I started by listening to Mix Crypt Monday and then also doing like, what was it? Like the one-on-ones and my first one-on-one was with you. So to have everything come full circle, full like this, circle yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Well, believe me, as much as we're friends, if I had gotten a bunch of negative feedback, <laughs> I would have, we would have had to have a very uncomfortable phone call. Thankfully, everybody loved it and I, I figured they would. I really did. I, I wasn't actually expecting people to dislike it. If I had a feeling people would dislike it, I would have just not even asked in the first place. But there would have been pitchfork gifts all over the comments thread, and that yeah. would have been like the end of it. Yeah, I would have had Maltov cocktails coming <laughs> through my window. So, but there were none, and uh, here we are. So, this is the show where we crit your mixes, meaning your the URM community we grab these at random from the Rocktagon which is our private Facebook group for mixed crits we have several Facebook groups that are exclusive to the URM community and 
we we take their upkeep and care very very seriously and we don't want our main group getting overwhelmed with mixed crits and self-promotion so we have a group that's just four mixed crits and we pull them out of that and this month we're going to be critting uh something i'm very very proud of we got fallout boy oh yeah on nail the mix uh mixed by sean o'keefe with a song called lake effect kid and these are student submitted mixes of lake effect kid and let me just say i love fallout boy uh i know everybody thinks that i'm this like metal dude or serious orchestral guy but i am a you're a softy I'm a softie for great melodies. Uh, like my parents showed me the Beatles when I was young, and uh, it just great melodies to me are just our life. And the thing that Fallout Boy has always had are just great, great melodies. And I'm not even a huge pop punk fan. I don't care. Like the their melodies just they just get me. So I'm. Really, really stoked yeah. to have them on. When it was announced, that was the first thing that went into my head was the the melodies. That it's one of the few bands that everybody, even like somebody's mom, would know at least one Fallout Boy song without knowing it, just because the melodies are so memorable that everyone knows one song from Fallout Boy at least. Yeah, and it's one of those bands where even if you don't know that you know them, I'm sure that if you saw them live. You know, say mm-hmm. you didn't know that you knew them and you're like, I don't know this band. And you go see them live. You get dragged there. And <laughs> I guarantee you it would be like, oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. It's when I saw Corn, and I've been a Corn fan, but you know, like a lot of old school Corn fans, there was a certain point where I stopped buying the records. Just also just stopped buying records in general. But I saw them live in like 2013. It was like, Okay, that song's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know that song. Oh, that song was a hit. That song was a hit. Oh, know that song. Know that song. Know that song. Know that song. Jesus, this band is amazing. <laughs> I think it would be like one of those situations. Oh, this is why they're playing this show at this venue, I guess. Like, <laughs> these songs yeah, are who, so who would have thought? <laughs> this is why this band is legendary. What, like, what a surprise. Oh, that's awesome. I, th- I think it would be that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's get into it. We're going to play about a minute of each mix so that you don't have to listen to this song six times just to get through this episode. Uh, So we'll play about a minute and then come back and give our thoughts. So first up is subscriber Braxton Slyer, and this is his mix of Lake Effect Kid by Fall Out Boy.
All right, that was Lake Effect Kid mixed by Mr. Braxton Slyer, and here's what I thought. Good power. Nothing's really bugging me in terms of being harsh. I'll say that the balances are a bit off. The bass guitar is kind of loud, and I feel like in the pre-chorus, the wrong vocal harmony is too loud, and so it's kind of overemphasizing the wrong notes in the intro it sounds a little bit like the wrong elements are driving just a bit too much uh i think it's a piano not a clean guitar but i mean i think that's just an artistic decision it's not like so loud that i think it's wrong i just think that artistically that should be a little bit more middle ground instead of so foreground um the chorus sounds really good uh, verse vocals are a bit buried, but overall, this is very good. I mean, great work, Braxton. Uh, just watch the bass and your artistic choice of balances. But honestly, this is one of the better submissions we've ever had on Mixed Crit Monday. So everything I just said, I want, I want it to be understood that it's under the, uh, under the guise of this being a really good mix already. What do you think? I found a lot of things in this mix I didn't really care for personally. Awesome. Tell me how wrong I am. Well, difference of opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, okay. So first off, the first thing I noticed um, on this mix was the kick and the snare just sounded weird to me. The the snap, the punch from those two did not gel it, for me in terms of how the vibe and the vision of where he was going with the mix. Those kick, the kick and the snare just didn't fit that sound then the symbols had a lot of like stick attack but there was no symbol like articulation i i just heard the stick hitting the symbol but i didn't hear like i don't know how to explain it but it's like when symbols get super washy in a mix you can tell that there's too much fizz in them almost and you can't really hear the harmonic note content of the symbols and i know these are great symbols because i've gone through the multi-track so i don't feel like there's a lot of work to be done on those um the next, the the balance thing did stick out to me also. I thought the guitars were way louder than the vocals. And then in the chorus, it was especially apparent because the background vocals were oddly layered beneath. And to me, those it's like these little things that could have made the mix so much better were missing. And then the mids in about one to three K area were kind of pokey to me. Um, but those were like, that's what stuck out to me. I I don't know what these other mixes are going to have until, but I definitely think he has like the right idea. He's just got to go through, rebalance some things and maybe change out the kick and snare sound or re-EQ them just so things kind of gel a little bit more in the mix and then he'll be in the right space. Okay, fair enough. I, I do think that the main, for me, the main thing, and I think we both touched on this, for me, the main thing was the vocals being balanced a little weird. I don't think that overall they were balanced weird compared to the music necessarily except for in the verse like there it was there the vocals were definitely buried but I think more just to me it was the internal balance of the vocals and I get it that this is very difficult on this song because there are a ton mm -hmm. of vocals and so when you have a ton of vocals like this obviously uh, there's much more of a chance to get the vocal mix even if if you get the vocals sounding good, even, you know, there's a lot more of a chance for you to emphasize the wrong thing. So you have to be really, really careful. And let me just point out that in Sean O'Keefe's mix, especially in the chorus, uh, 
it is very, very clear which vocal is the lead vocal. And the harmonies are kind of like, they're very background. It's not like a Queen song or something mm-hmm. where it's just like harmony central or something. But uh, the, the har- and there are a ton of harmonies. Like someone was comparing them to like a Boston song. Like there is no shortage of harmony, uh, but it's very expertly mixed on the, on the real mix to where you're never wondering what's supposed to be in the lead. Yeah, I think I feel like because I think Braxton's been around for a minute. I think it, this was one of those. It was a first pass and then put it in the Roctagon. I think he probably will pick up on this stuff on his own. It's these little nuances that it's really not that once you like, you know, step away from mix, you're like, oh, those vocals need to get kind of rebalanced a little bit so that it all sits in the right place. Mm-hmm. Either way, though, uh, I mean, I don't think that this is worthy of a redo. I think this is worthy of a retweak. What do you think? Oh, man, I would. I can't get over the kick and the snare and the cymbals personally. So I would. I would say like on those, just I would think just like rebalance, and then maybe the EQ decisions would change a little bit. That to me is a retweak. And even if it's okay, like say just that he was using samples or something, even if it was like resampling. To me, that's a retweak. Let, let's just get, get our terms right. For me, a redo means you start from scratch. <laughs> like oh, okay. when, I, when I tell someone redo, I mean everything. Like take what you have and hit delete on that shit <laughs> and start all over. So when I say retweak, it means, yeah, you could change out the kick, change out the snare, like redo, like re- redo some elements, like retweak. I, when I say retweak, I don't mean like drop 2dB at 5k on something and you're done. I mean, yeah, like delete you're the put session, some time in. open it back up, re-import. <laughs> yeah, the full yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah. So I don't think this is a redo. I think this is just to keep working on it. How about that? Yeah, I definitely agree. All right, let's move on. All right, this is by Chase Herman. Um, Chase Herman's mix of Lake Effect Kid by Fall Out Boy. Here goes. That was by subscriber Chase Herman. First thoughts. Something is really, really weird in the left ear uh, or speaker. So just this weird distortion. I'm hearing strange noises. And there's also very strange left-right balance. Um, The vocals have a ton of harsh upper-mid frequencies, and they hurt. They actually hurt. I had to turn this down. Uh, the pre-chorus balance is way off. Those single note guitars, okay, there's this single note guitar in there that um, 
I really don't think is intended to be very loud because it's not very loud on the final mix. I think it's it's just another layer. But those single note guitars in this mix are louder than the vocals. How is that possible? Like, the this is Fall Out Boy. Those vocals are... You're talking about one of the best vocalists in rock of like the past 20 years. What are you doing? The vocals overall, too, are just kind of painful in this one. Um, the drums sound like they've got a blanket on them. And I really do think that this guy is a guitarist who loves clean guitars because the clean guitars are about as loud as pop vocals would be in a pop mix. I don't know if this is quite a redo, but definitely chill the fuck out on the guitars. Watch your left-right balance. Watch the harshness. Watch the distortion. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm gonna say right off the bat for me, this is a this was a redo. Uh, there's just so many things not working that I think the fundamentals. Okay, are being I agree. Lost. I agree. Redo. Yeah. Um, the yeah the vocals fighting like I could hear the vocals were fighting and that mid range thing that you heard too like I was just like holy crap this is like what's happening the guitars are so dark and warm sounding, but they're taking up the entire mix. And there's like, I don't know if you heard some weird pumping going on during the whole thing, but there was just some weird movement. Um, I think Chase just needs to start over and really spend the time to really, really focus on gain staging and balancing properly so that once he starts reaching for the EQ, it's a matter of what's getting in the way of the big picture and let's make room for all these things. Because right now it just seems like there's too many things trying to take the spotlight and the vocals have the spotlight. There's no who's the most important person in the song right now. It's the vocalist. Uh, Patrick is an amazing singer. And everything is easy. The production's so well done that it's like you can tell everything can sit where it needs to sit. So, yeah, Chase, uh, for me, it's to go back, spend time on balancing, and I think it'll come together a little bit nicer if you just spend a little bit more time on that stuff. Let me say one thing about redos. Uh, I said this last time, but I think it bears saying again. When we say redo, we're not talking shit it's not like uh, go kill yourself or anything or quit mixing or like it's not we don't it's not a bad thing. All great mixers have redone a mix at some point. I know lots of mixers who, you know, you listen to who have been on Nail the Mix who do redos all the time and you don't see them do the redo on Nail the Mix, obviously, because we're going through a mix that they already completed. They already kind of know how to mix the song, but I know lots of people who will mix a song, get it to like 75%, 80% there and just start over because something, it just wasn't right. And then they redo it and it works. So mm -hmm. please don't take it the wrong way. Uh, redoing mixes is a normal part of mixing. And with that, let's move on to Lake Effect Kid Mix by Mr. Dalton Zernile.
band back. That was Lake Effect Kid mixed by Dalton Zernail. And first off, let me just say, Dalton, shout out to Dalton. Dalton is a veteran URMer at this point. So we love you. Thank you for being here. And please don't hate me for what I'm about to say. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Dalton, this sounds like a metal mix. Um, I would redo it just on those grounds that it sounds like you're trying to do a metal mix. Um, I don't know if you were or not, but it's what it sounds like to me. I dig that it's powerful, but again, dude, this is not a metal song. Uh, if we were talking about what I'm actually hearing, then let's talk about some spiky, painful frequencies on the snare, vocals, and cymbals. And goddamn, that kick is so loud. Like, it's metal loud. And this is not a metal song. This is not a metal song. This is not a metal song. And DSers are your friend. Use them. <laughs> on a positive note, I really, really like how you treated the overdriven rhythm guitars. Very, very good. To me, they sound just right. What do you think? It's funny you said holy cow on the kick because I wrote down holy snare Batman because <laughs> that snare just like <laughs> was pounding me in the face. I was like, holy crap. Um, I 100% agree with the the kick and the snare. It, it I call it uh, like that, that beater sound of the kick is just so like it's beating me <laughs> like every time the kick happens it's not full and lush like the original track and like a band uh like this type of band would have the snare it, it was missing some of the depth and the body that you also get from this type of band typically but it was just so loud also it like it was louder than the vocal and that's a big like no-no so rebalancing that the drums in general i wasn't really feeling the balance of them but the guitars, yeah, I liked the I liked Dalton's guitars, and then yeah, they were good. They yeah. were good. He did a good job with those. Yeah. So the bass was okay. There was one thing that bothered me is when the second chord comes in on the chorus, that bass kind of disappears from the progression, and I think it's something to do with his EQ moves, and then it comes back for the third chord progression. So that's something you gotta be really cautious of when you're making decisions with the bass is. The clarity for the the low end extension of the chord progression has to remain intact throughout the whole progression, and I'm pretty sure that that probably happens throughout the song. If I caught it during the chorus, that definitely, if we were to listen longer, I'm pretty sure there would be other spots where that would happen. So that's definitely, I think, more so an EQ decision because it was pretty consistent. It didn't really bother me. It's just that's one thing that stuck. I was like, well, where'd where'd the chord go? Um, but yeah, that's what I got on this one. Uh, just go back and make some raw, like pop punk rock drums not metal drums yeah and i realize that it's easy i think to go over metal when you're dealing with nail the mix tracks because you know i don't like i don't want to pigeonhole us but you know we do pretty heavy shit on nail the mix Mm -hmm. and you know that's the world that we come from and we love it and we will always do really heavy music but when i say that our goal is to cover everything in the hard rock umbrella. I am being totally serious. And that's why we don't just do metal. That's why we do ha- have bands like Fall Out Boy or The Story So Far on. Uh, it's because we want to cover everything that would fall under that hard rock umbrella. And you have to approach different types of heavy music in different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... I feel like maybe it's super obvious to say this, but if you 
learn how to mix and the way you learn how to mix is to mix metal songs and you do certain things to make metal songs sound balanced and huge and powerful those are not the same types of things that you would do on a pop punk song and so what i recommend and dalton i know that you have a wide variety of musical tastes i know you're not just a metal guy i would recommend spending some time doing some what I call active listening in some other genres. And what I mean by active listening, my definition of it is that when you listen to it, you write down, you actually write down what you're hearing and you do a little bit of analysis. And it's not like harmonic analysis, but it's an analysis of the elements and how you think they interact with each other. But the point is that it's not technical. So you're not going to be like, oh, well, the kicks are peaking at 8K, clearly. No, it's more like, the kicks, uh, the low end of the kick is what's driving this, but it's more thuddy in nature. I don't hear it poking through the way I would in a metal song, but it really, it adds just more of an anchor or something. You know, like it's more just descriptive words. It, just to help you think about these abstract-ish kind of things in a non-technical way, uh, I just want you to start doing that with non-metal so that when you start hearing these songs come at you and nail the mix you kind of have a point of reference uh, to approach them from because it's it's easy for us to be like this is not a metal song don't mix it like a metal song but uh it's a little bit more difficult if most of what you're mixing is metal to then actually not mix it like a metal song and i think it comes down to not just your musical tastes, but your musical vocabulary. And you can develop that vocabulary by doing some active listening and really trying to understand what it is that you're hearing and the relationships between how different things work together. Yeah, I, I want to piggyback on this a little bit because it's been really interesting. Uh, the last couple of months, it's been going from like a heavy genre band to like rock or pop punk. And it's been really interesting to hear a lot of these mixes and how people don't take a step back and understand the band in front of them and how you're saying, I don't feel like many people take the time to do active listening and really understand the genre that they're about to mix and what sounds are appropriate in terms of feel and where things placed. Uh, the fundamentals will always be there, but definitely listening actively to what these different genres do and just knowing where that feels at is so crucial. And it's been really, really fun for me personally to see us go from like uh, Arcspire to Slaves or Godsmack and then back to like Aborted and seeing the people who catch on to these nuances in the genres. And you're like, okay, light bulbs are starting to go off in these people's heads to where they see these things going. And I don't know if they're actively listening or they're just more in tune with, you know, listening to the song and what it's saying and where it's supposed to go. But it's definitely, it, it really helps when you have that perspective. Yeah, just for non-Nail the Mix subscribers, just to give you an idea of what we're talking about, starting with last August, we had Converge on with Kurt Ballou and then Lamb of God with Machine and then Dance Gavin Dance with Chris Crummett, followed by Arcspire with Dave Otero, followed by Godsmack and Slaves with Eric Ron, followed by Aborted with Cole, followed by by the story so far with Sam Pura, followed by Amaranth and Discarnate with Jacob Hansen, followed by Fallout Boy with Sean O'Keefe. So every single month, the genre is changing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, those are all heavy bands, but 
that's about where the similarities stop. I mean, even aborted and uh, and Arcspire are radically different. Oh yeah. Hey everybody, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you should know that it's brought to you by URM Academy. URM Academy's mission is to create the next generation of audio professionals by giving them the inspiration and information to hone their craft and build a career doing what they love. You've probably heard me talk about Nail the Mix before, and if you remember, you already know how amazing it is. At the beginning of the month, Nail the Mix members get the raw multitracks to a new song by artists like Lamb of God, Opeth, Meshuggah, Bring Me the Horizon, Gojira, Asking Alexandria, Machine Head, and Papa Roach, among many, many others. Then at the end of the month, the producer who mixed it comes on and does a live streaming walkthrough of exactly how they mix the song of the album and takes your questions live on the air. You'll also get access to MixLab, our collection of dozens of bite-sized mixing tutorials that cover all the basics. And Portfolio Builder, which is a library of pro-quality multi-tracks cleared for use in your portfolio, so your career will never again be held back by the quality of your source material. And for those who really, really want to step up their game, we have another membership tier called URM Enhanced, which includes everything I already told you about and access to our massive library of fast tracks, which are deep, super detailed courses on intermediate and advanced topics like gain staging, mastering, loan, and so forth. It's over 50 hours of content, and man, let me tell you, this stuff is just insanely detailed. Enhanced members also get access to one-on-one office hours, sessions with us, and Mix Rescue, which is where we open up one of your mixes on a live video stream, fix it up, and talk you through exactly what we're doing at every step. If any of that sounds interesting to you, if you're ready to level up your mixing skills and your audio career, head over to urm.academy enhanced to find out more. Let's move on. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce your name, man. I love you, but I'm going to fuck this up. Correct us in the group if we got it wrong. But uh, here is Lake Effect Kid mixed by Stick and Boss. That was Lake Effect Kid mixed by Stick and Boss. And from first listen, this is pretty pleasant until the vocals come in. They are overcompressed. And what I'm wondering is if the dude watched the Jacob Hansen Nail the Mix, where he talked about using ungodly amounts of compression on vocals and then just went in for it, <laughs> all in. And I'm just going to say, if so, just remember... What works for one person on one mix is not what will necessarily work for you. And what you need to keep in mind 
when you're watching Nail the Mix or really any sort of masterclass or, or thing where you watch somebody great do their thing is you're watching the end cumulative result of multiple decades of work. So while you're seeing the technique being used, what you're not getting is the evolution that they had to get through to get to that point where they're using it and you're not hearing it the way they're hearing it. So take what they give you under advisement and under understanding that it might not necessarily work for you because you're not, you don't have the same vision that they have. And so don't just blindly use these techniques. Um, and what I mean by overly compress is that I hear all kinds of mouth noises and undesirable stuff, uh, just like weird vocal artifacts and just stuff that doesn't make sense to be hearing in this song. Otherwise, I think this one's pretty good. The snare might be a hair pointy, but overall, I think the music's very good on this one. If this were a competition, it's the vocal compression which would disqualify it, in my opinion. What do you think? I feel like the entire mix was just overly compressed. The balance and the feel was pretty good. I could I could definitely get the essence of that, but because of all the compression going on, it worked against the mix. And to me, this is a huge, uh, like, I hope people listening take this to account that going in for compression without really let, knowing if it suits your style can, like you said, if it was uh, the, for the, uh, the mix pull, the vocal and the overcompression would disqualify them. So it's like you see these techniques and they're really cool to see, but if don't definitely play with them to see if it works. But if it's not working with your style, don't try to make it work. Really pay attention to the movement in the song. And I felt like in the chorus especially, the compression got so heavy that it just became like this no groove, no dancing groove for that chorus. And this song has a very movie chorus. Like I want to dance to this chorus because it just bounces. And that was gone on this one. So if you're over compressing or if you're experimenting with it, definitely take a minute and kind of roll back on it and really listen to, are the instruments moving and vibing with one another with that compression? Uh, but and the tambourine was kind of loud for me too. <laughs> yeah, <that>. it was. <laughs> and the piano in the intro too. Um, but other than that, I think is on this one the compression just killed it. I think a few of these guys had their piano too loud on the intro. Yeah, pianos are tough. There's so many layers to this song. It's it, but it was record when I pulled it up in my Pro Tool session and I listened to it. I was like, okay, there's a lot of stuff going on, but everything has like its role. And I was like, okay. This would go here, that would go there. And the pianos, it's just like, because it's such a weird instrument based on all the harmonic content it has. So I feel like a lot of people get nervous and then they just like, well, I'm just going to put it up over here. And it's like, you can use it more as a, you know, as a percussive atmospheric type of element. That's what it sounds like in the original mix. And it just, yeah, pianos are can be scary. I get it. You know, this is something that I really, really like about Fall Out Boy. This is another one of the reasons that I just think this band's great, is they do what they want. They use weird arrangements. They go pop if they want to go pop. They go rock if they want to go rock. They do whatever they want, and they're very, very creative, and they have all kinds of interesting instrumentation. And, you know, I'm not like piano is the weirdest thing in the world to use, but it's actually not the most common thing 
to use. And it is tough because it's a full frequency instrument. Then, like you said, has a bunch of harmonic content. Uh, it sounds when you hear a piano like you would want to turn it up, but mm -hmm. I mean, just listen to the original mix. It's not very loud, and I'm not saying you should try to copy the original mix. But anytime you're mixing a song that you get from a band, if you listen to any of the guys who come on Nail the Mix or the podcast, they pretty much all like to get a demo mix like or a rough from the band to kind of get an idea for what the band wanted so that they're not taking it to a whole different world and they, they like to have some direction and you have the best direction in the world with this you have the final mix mm -hmm. the one that actually came out and was approved and sounds as good as the band wanted it to sound probably so um, <laughs> i say pro you know i'm guessing so why not take the final mix as a guide at least for where different elements are supposed to lie at least balance wise moving on this is by subscriber zach fisk Zach Fisk's mix of Lake Effect Kid and no power in the drums, very harsh in the guitars. The drums are very pointy and small. And I would even check if there's some phase problems on those drums because they just sound very small and very little low end. And when that happens, uh, I start to wonder if there's a phase cancellation problem. Uh, I can hear the bass but I can't hear it. And I'm also hearing that single note lead guitar way too loud again. And look, just because the layer is in there doesn't mean it has to be blaring loud. Some layers are meant to be textures, not leads. And the verse is exactly what I mean by not feeling the bass, by the way. I, I know it's there, and I actually kind of like the nastiness of it, but I just don't feel any bottom at all. And on the note of no real bottom in the bass, once again, no real sub on the kick either. And so it's making me wonder about how Zach is hearing things. Like if he's in a bass buildup part of his room where he feels like he needs to undercompensate or what, but something is up. Yeah, on this one, it's weird because that bass, like the note is kind of there sometimes, but there's no like low end to the bass sound. It's like a really weird bass thing that's going on. And then because that gel of the bass wasn't there, you can hear the guitars. He just like went 
hard on like the mid range and that little really fatiguing one to three K area on the guitars. So is he on headphones? Like, I really want to know what Zach's listening on because there's just so many things that are going on very oddly in his EQ decisions that it could be headphones. It could be, like you said, in a room that has a weird null, but then a buildup in a certain range. So he might think that the low end is killing it, but it's really not. And another thing I noticed was the um, the symbols were kind of crazy on this one. And I think that's the phase that you were talking about. It could be that they were phasing in and out. So sometimes it was like one side, the left side would be like abundant and then go away or be balanced, I guess, if considering the mix. And then the right side would pop out and then go in. And I'm curious to know where the phase issue would have happened on if he's like introducing samples or what's going on. This one, I kind of forget, I forget people were adding samples because I read the notes on this one and he didn't use, I don't think he used samples. If he did, they were very, you know, minimal possibly. I don't know, but I can't get over the phase and all this other stuff going on on this one. I would say definitely this one's a redo for me. Oh, absolutely a redo. Um, a redo, and have you done a one-on-one with this guy? No, I'm a, I was actually thinking about hitting him up after this podcast. So I'm going to say, Zach, because uh, we love you, and I actually don't know if you're an enhanced member. So he's, He went to the summit. He did go to the summit. Yeah, he, I think he's, yeah, he's Team LeBrosset, so I, I, that's why I'm going to hit him up. I'm guessing he's probably an enhanced. If he's not, then, Zach, we're going to give you a complimentary month of Yoram Enhanced so that you can get a one-on-one with John and get the help you need because we'd like to get to the bottom of it because if the problem is that your listening situation is messed up, then that can change things overnight. And if that's not the problem, well, then there's still a bunch of things that we can probably help you uh, fix right away or at least help you just approach this differently. So... Get in touch. Last mix for the day. This is by Mr. Mats Ost. That was Lake Effect Kid Mix by Mr. Matt's Ost. And let me just say that the drum room is kind of overwhelming. Like, I get it. It should be making the drum sound a bit nastier, have more energy, more explosive, more cohesive. But it shouldn't be so loud that it's making everything a mess. And that's, that's the danger of when you have drum rooms that are very compressed and that you use for that purpose. You could overdo it and things can become a mess. And you gotta DS those vocals. Boy, are they harsh. Again, and I've said this a few times today, uh, that single note lead is way too loud 
Also, while I'm at it, the toms don't sound smooth at all. They just kind of poke out kind of weird. And speaking of weird things, I hear all kinds of weird pumping in the chorus. Like the chorus is happening and the volume of everything just kind of changes partway through. Um, it just It's just shifting. And the second verse vocals are louder than the chorus vocals. Basically, what I'm getting at is this mix is a bit of a mess. And I'm willing to bet that a big part of it is overzealous mastering chain, an overzealous mastering chain, just going hog wild, boy. <laughs> and you got to watch those toms. I know I already said it once, but that C on City, which really is an S sound, is just like, holy fuck, man. Well, use that de-esser. Uh, honestly, I think that this is a redo. I just think that you went too hard on way too many things, but then left a bunch of things alone. Like, it sounds like the toms are almost unmixed. Like, I'm not saying they are unmixed, but they sound unmixed. And then it sounds like the vocals aren't really even being de-essed, but then the amount of compression on things is just like, whoa, boy. So I think that... There's too much going on where there doesn't need to be and too little going on where there should be. So I would say redo this one. What do you think? I definitely agree with the redo. For me, I definitely feel like there was a mastering chain and that might have been the crutch on this one. It sounds like a mix that had, maybe he did have a vision. I'm just like, there's too many things in this mix where I just don't feel like there was any clear idea of where he wanted to go and he might have just like thrown a chain that he's comfortable with on it the kick just has no fullness at all during the whole mix and when the chorus comes in it just sounds like a huge cardboard box kick is all of a sudden in my face and just wanting to like punch me for no reason and then the uh the room reverb or just room sound there's like a weird 200 hertz area of it that just like once i heard it i could not unhear that Every time the snare hit, it was like that sound was there. And I'm like, what is what is going on with this this drum mix in general? Um, yeah, for me, it's just there's so much about it that I'm not feeling. I would just say redo, rebalance, get a feel for where to take it. And yeah, just redo. I hate to say, I hate to say, I think it's been like two redos. I feel bad, but I shouldn't because it's like I'm helping him. But it's like if you don't have a clear direction all these instruments start fighting. And it's like, what is happening right now? You know? Yeah, I do know. And <laughs> look, like I said before, I don't think that when we say redo, that it's a bad thing. I think that it's a necessary thing. And everybody's here to learn. So, you know, man, even if you're hired to do a mix, so you end up redoing them sometimes. It's okay. Just redo this one. Yeah. Um, and something else, shameless plug. Those of you that are not in URM Enhanced, you should be because you get one-on-ones with John where we can talk you through this stuff and help you. Like, There's only so much you can get from comments in a group or a chat room or from watching videos. And we think that we have the best education in audio online, period. And I know that we actually have better education than most in-person schools if not all of them. However, there's only so far that it will go without getting some some personalized mentorship from 
somebody. And we offer that. You should get in enhanced. Uh, you can go to nailthemix.com slash upgrade, sign up for a one-on-one and get some help. Like really that it goes so far to have somebody tell you what's wrong with your mix, but not just that, how you can fix it and to help you diagnose what's actually wrong with your situation, because it could be so many things. It could be that you're trying to do things that are inappropriate for the genre. It could be that you're hearing things wrong. It could be that you don't understand a very crucial concept like gain staging, but you think you do. Like, I don't know. There could be so many different things. It's good to have someone that knows what they're doing help you. And if you were in a different era where there were lots of studios out there, uh, you know, you could go get an internship and get a mentor and you can still do that, but there are far less opportunities for it in the world. And, you know, this is what we offer that can come close to that. Not all of you are going to be able to get into a big studio with an amazing producer who will, you know, help you with what sucks to suck less. So nailthemix.com slash upgrade. Any closing thoughts, John? If anyone listening has any questions about one-on-ones, you can reach out to me on Facebook and I will answer any questions or you can tag me in a post on in the Private Producers Club and I am more than happy to answer any of your questions. Those Your one-on-ones belong to you and my what AL has trusted me with doing is just making sure that I figure out what's going on for you and we break down your method and make it a way where your vision for your way of mixing makes sense. And you can only do that when you do have personalized help. So any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Let me say one more thing uh, about this. A lot of people hit me up on the side asking for me to give them a one-on-one or something like that. And what you need to understand is that uh, I trained John to do this, uh, and I did not let him do this until I knew that he was going to do an incredible job at it. Like John's not just randomly doing one-on-ones for URM. Uh, He knows exactly what he's doing. And if you want some proof of that, you should just go in our group and look at all the posts from people saying how their mixes were turned around. So do it to it. (laughs) Do it to it, Lars. (laughs) And we will, uh, we'll see you guys next time. This episode of the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast has been brought to you by Telefunken Electroacoustic. Telefunken Electroacoustic has been following the tradition of excellence and innovation set forth by the original Telefunken GmbH of Germany that began over 100 years ago. With one foot rooted in the rich history of the brand, and the other in new microphone innovations for both stage and studio applications. Telefunken Electroacoustic is recognized as one of the industry leaders in top quality microphones. For more info, go to t-funk.com. If you like the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast, make sure you leave us a review, subscribe, and send us a message if you want to get in touch.